Hello, friend and colleague. It's Nikki from Full Voice on our podcast today, episode 176. My special guest is Linda Fletcher. Now, Linda wears many hats, including being a professional voice and piano teacher, as well as an accompanist, church music director, and a composer. We have featured many of Linda's uh, wonderful arrangements and, and compositions on fullvoicemusic.com. Today, I wanted to talk to Linda about accompanying young voices and many of the considerations we need to make when we are working with young singers. A fabulous conversation with many teacher takeaways right here on the Full Voice Podcast. Hello, friend. Welcome and thank you. Thank you for hitting play and joining me for this fabulous conversation. Today we're talking all about accompanying our young singers or just accompanying in general. So many great takeaways. Now, before I bring Linda onto the show, I have some fabulous announcements to make. First of all, for those of you who are uh, enjoying songs and studies for kids, introductory A, uh, good news. Songs and Studies for Kids Introductory B, which continues the fun Soulfish Studies and wonderful songs for the young singers just getting started in your teaching studio. It's going to be out the end of February, early March at the latest. We're so excited. We're in the final checking, proofing, getting the drafts and looking over them. And it looks fabulous. We have another collection of fun, engaging songs for young singers. And I hope that you will check it out. You can find uh, more information about the Songs and Studies series on our website, fullvoicemusic.com. And uh, I hope that you will uh, take a look at those because they are crafted for those fun young singers. Now, the other thing I wanted to mention to you, if you are interested in doing more contemporary music, uh, Maybe you're interested in introducing your singers to some jazz. If you are part of the VIP newsletter, which is free, by the way, you just need to go to our website and sign up for our newsletter. You have access to downloads, free downloads, and one of them is called Sing and Swing, and it is an introduction to simple scat syllables as well as singing with that swing feel. And it's a cute little song written by our very own Mim Adams. That is one of her superpowers. So if you're interested in doing more contemporary music with your your singers, and sing and swing you could use with your middle school, high school, and adults, by the way, um, please check that out and make sure you sign up for the VIP newsletter. That is where you will get all of the access to those fun freebies. And... And I do want to let you know that I don't harass you with the newsletter. I've got better things to do with my time. So the newsletter comes out every other week. So don't think that I'm going to be spamming your inbox with uh, anything. Just just the occasional newsletter with some fun stuff in it. All right. So there we go. Now, without further ado, uh, I want to introduce... Linda Fletcher. And first, before I bring her onto the show, um, there's always an interesting conversation about 
accompaniment skills, piano skills. And for, for my listeners, I need you to know that uh, my piano skills are what I would deem functional. And I can play, uh, you know, easier stuff. And, and my sight, sight reading is pretty okay if it's an easier piano piece. When it comes to more advanced music, that is not my forte. And I do prefer to use tracks. Now, when I was teaching in, in person, I would play intros for my students, and but I would also use a lot of tracks and singing along with tracks in my studio. And of course, my studio is now online, so tracks are kind of the way we have to go. So whether I email the MP3 um, or I record something, it gets sent to the student. So I do want people who are not professional level accompanist piano players to know that you can work effectively with your singers. But one of the things that I have had to do throughout my career is when my students needed to have a fabulous piano player, I had to hire professionals to work with them. And I am fortunate that I have worked with many incredible accompanists. And if I can say one thing, being a great piano player and being a great collaborative piano player are two very different things. And I had the absolute pleasure of when I was living in Ontario, when I was teaching in Hamilton, um, Linda Fletcher would sometimes uh, accompany my students. And I was so fortunate. Um, I also want to shout out to my dear friend, Annie. Barnshaw. She is an incredible accompanist. And I also want to shout out to Mim Adams, who has also played for my students when they've had to do uh, more jazz related stuff. So recognizing that I have limited skills in the accompaniment department, and I have had the courage to reach out and also explain to families that that is not a skill that I have, but it does not make me less effective as a teacher. And um, just something I wanted to put into the conversation before I brought Linda on. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, the delightful Linda Fletcher. Welcome to the Full Voice Podcast, my friend, my colleague, Linda Fletcher. How are you? I'm great, Nikki. Thank you. It's, and thank you for inviting me. Uh, I'm so excited. So I was saying to Linda before we hit record, so I've had all of our composers on the show, Donna, Ben, Glynn, and I, I don't know why it took so long to get you on here, probably because you are a crazy busy human and you wear so many hats. Um, today we're talking about uh, accompanying, uh, accompanying in general, not just accompanying young voices, but just accompanying because you are a professional accompanist. Uh, you have worked with all ages. And I have to tell my audience, you have at one time accompanied my students, uh, for which I was very grateful. But <laughs> I, I really want people to get to know you. So for, for people that don't know, Linda is one of our dearest composers. Uh, she writes beautiful music for children, and we're thrilled that we can feature uh, some of her music. And spoiler alert, uh, one of your one of your Spanish folk songs is going to be in songs and studies introductory b 
So we're super mm-hmm. excited about that. That's wonderful. But um, can you give everybody like a little uh, background about your experience and, and what you what you do? Well, I don't know which part to start with first. <laughs> <laughs> I started teaching piano when I was a teenager. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've been teaching for many, many years. And that was because my piano teacher, who was Grace Vandendel, <laughs> she told me I was going to become a piano teacher. <laughs> So that and then, was of it. course, Grace that, just that was, said, yeah. she said, that's it. You're going to, anyway. And, um, <laughs> but so I went to, I went to university also as a piano major. And then while I was there as a piano major, meanwhile, I mean, I'd done all the singing. So I did, I sang all the time. I'd always been a singer and I'd always uh, had leads in all the school musicals and everything like that. Uh, but I still went as a piano major. And then when I got to university, uh, Marta Hidi, who was my pian- uh, violin teacher, and she said to me, well, of course you get all the ear training correct because you're a voice major. And I said, no, I'm a piano major. And she goes, oh, well, we're going to go see about that. Wow. <laughs> she, she, so she went to the dean uh, of music and she arranged for me to have a double major piano and voice. Wow. Which was great. And then my voice teacher would always call my piano teacher and say, she's not doing an exam for you this year. She's doing <gasps> a voice exam. She was very, very vocal. Oh, my goodness. That's <laughs> So they fought over you. That was very funny. I love that. Um, so, but, but actually in university, I only did vocal ensembles, you know, the magical choir and the, you know, really, right. I didn't do any of the instrumental things. Um, I studied French horn privately, too, while I was at university. Wow. Um, I used to play in the Oakville Wind Orchestra. I played French horn for about I did eight not years. know that. Yeah. I know my fr- fellow French horn players are really mad because I don't play at all. I haven't played for <laughs> 40 years. <laughs> I don't play at all, honestly. Um, I play guitar. Yes. Mostly I, to- I've, I've seen you play. Um, uh-huh. uh, f- fun fact. I don't know if I ever told you this. Um, when my goddaughter was born, was baptized you played at her baptism and you were playing the guitar (laughs) that was uh that was like 19 years ago okay did I sing (laughs) thank god for kids or something like that I remember that you were there you were playing the guitar it was lovely (laughs) oh my goodness (laughs) oh that's wonderful um I I actually went from university I went on to do um I, I went to teacher's college mm-hmm. and then I taught school music. I minored in languages and majored in music. So then I, I, I did, um, I went to university, went to, yeah, went to university, then teacher's college. Then I had a job teaching school and I taught music on rotary. Mm. And, um, and I also taught uh, primary French. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, and then I only did, I only taught until I had started having children mm. and then, uh, and four children later, four, <laughs> I did not decide. I decided not to go back to teaching, uh, right. and uh, I just and I started pri- went back to private teaching. Oh wow! Yeah, and then I started a company. Well, I started accompanying singers when I was in um, high school. Really, mm. um, I started accompanying for the the other singers for concerts and things like that, and. Uh, yeah, I started writing songs, I think, when I was a teenager as well. But it was when I was an elementary school teacher that I really started to write songs. 
because in many cases, if if you have, you know, if your brain, my brain is, has melodies going through all the time. <laughs> yes. They keep me, they keep me awake. Okay. And uh, so in many cases, it was easier to write your own song and look for one that fit the theme. Mm. Yeah. Right. It was much yeah. faster because we didn't have internet or anything back then. Right. 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 So you just wrote, you just wrote your own. That was the easiest way to do it. And um, so I would have my, in fact, one of my choir numbers that's, uh, that's published through full voice is, um, is actually a piece that the, we had an assistant music superintendent who was appalled that I would have my little primary choir sing a song that I wrote Ugh. in a music festival. He said, what makes you think they could sing something you wrote? No, they have to sing something that already exists. And he wanted them to sing, he wanted them to sing Cockles and Muscles and he changed their song. And that's such a boring song, really, when you think about it. Yes. So, right. So I decided that was when I first started to step up against authority. <laughs> <A little laughs> Good bit. for you. <laughs> and I went ahead and I had them sing the song I wrote for them and they won first place. Ah. And the first, right, the first thing the adjudicator said was, it's obvious how much the children love that song. Oh, I love that. And so I thought, I, I'm so glad that I, st you know, stood up to him. Yeah. And, you know, and, and did that. Yeah. And so then I've been teaching privately and I, I started to, with the church music, I'd always been part of the, of the church where I'm the director now, but I, I was... Uh, my first my first child was just a year old when an organist that they had just sort of quit the day of choir practice. Oh, goodness. <laughs> and the minister called me and he said, do you think you could fill in? And I said, well, I don't play the organ at all. And he said, oh, no, no, but I know you know about choirs. I know you've studied choral methods and blah, 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 blah. He says, I, I, I just need somebody. So I came in and stepped in and that was almost 42 years ago. Oh, wow. And I'm still there. So <laughs> they're still wow. So I never applied for the job. Right. And and, and so right. And so when they have a ministry and personnel, every time they say is, and what did happen when you applied? So I've never applied. I'm still filling in 42 years later. Oh my goodness. <laughs> oh my goodness. What a great, mm -hmm. what a great life experience you've had in so many different things in singing and piano and instrumental and and working with the church and choirs I mean there's just a life four lifetimes of experience there <laughs> and I want to circle back to what you said about the kids liking the music I mean that that is key and that's kind of at full voice we joke and we, we, you know, we work with such great composers, but we say, you know, it's more about what the, the response from the kids is than what teachers have to say about the music. Like if the kids don't like it, we're not going to publish it. Like there's no point. You can't force someone to sing a story that they don't want to sing. Absolutely. When you're teaching children, I mean, I know you do the same thing. You give them lots of different choices. Mm -hmm. We start mm -hmm. little bits and for, for one student might love a song. Yeah. And you think, oh, that's great. I found a song they all like. And suddenly the next one says, oh, I don't think so. I don't like that one. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Right? Yeah. All right. And it's always rewarding. It's frustrating when you have that one that's really challenging to find repertoire that they connect with. But it's so rewarding when you finally get that piece and they light up and they no longer fight you on things. I just, I live for that challenge. That's what happened with the song Slugs. 
No way. Really? I had a little girl that only wants to sing Halloween songs and dark songs. And nothing <laughs> about butterflies or flowers. Right. And as soon, and as, soon as that Donna wrote um, slugs, I said, well, how about a song about slugs? And she said, I'm all over that. How old is she? She's eight. Oh, that's uh, that's but so she's fun. very creative and she writes her own songs as well. She's very, very creative. We wrote a we spent a whole lesson just songwriting. Oh, week. so good. You know, mm-hmm. it's I, I'm really glad you brought that up that our young singers, especially the ones that that maybe give us a hard time. It's because we're not giving them that outlet that they're looking for. I love that you did the songwriting with them. Mm-hmm. Oh, she beamed that. for the whole she beamed for the whole lesson I love that though yeah. those those are beautiful moments and and when we can serve our students like that it is it is so rewarding um I think that's mm-hmm. something that teachers it's helpful to reflect on you know when you see a child who is 100% engaged participating they're loving the material it is so rewarding and you feel so good it doesn't matter how many students you've taught all day long you just leave the teaching studio knowing that you did really good work i love that i love that no it's very rewarding it's very rewarding and that's one thing you notice about the difference between teaching school and teaching privately oh yes because you can individualize everything. I love that. I love that. All right. I have I have a lot of questions about uh, accompanying voices. Um, and well, and not even voices, because I know that you've accompanied instrumentalists. So let's let's get started. So as an accompanist, what are first of all, when we're dealing with young students, what are some of the accommodations you make for young growing voices when you are playing for them? Well, first of all, if it's, um, I mean, if it's my student, it's different because then we guide through the process from the very beginning. Mm. Um, but we um, have to think about maybe just playing the melody, maybe singing along with them the first time they hear the accompaniment. Um but first of all, I would I would get them to sing just a phrase. So we would sing it a cappella, but then they would sing a phrase, and then I'd play the accompaniment to that. Mm. And then they'd sing the next phrase, and I'd play the accompaniment for that. And sometimes I'd just play the melody and maybe some chords in the left hand. Mm. Okay. And then maybe we would, we would elaborate a little bit after that, maybe depending on, on the student. Sometimes you need to play their melody, and sometimes you realize they can get their melody just by having the correct chords played for them, right? Mm. You play chords that they need to hear. You play right. notes that they need to hear to help, right? right? And but it's very, very important to keep a really steady rhythm. Mm. And to have if you have a really good strong beat, a really good first beat, and keep your accompaniment really light and dance-like so the kids feel they want to move. Nice. Um I sometimes let just play the accompaniment on its own. Yeah. For a song. See, it's a Disney song. I play the play the accompaniment and I let them just move to it. Mm. dance to it and then after that I maybe let them I play it again I have them follow the music with their finger Mm -hmm. while they're hearing the accompaniment and then we go through maybe step by step maybe learn one part maybe Mm -hmm. another part so they do some acapella work and then some work with the melody and some work with the accompaniment but it's always playing what they need and always keeping a really strong first beat 
Mm. Um, so keeping it simple. I mean, an accountant has to have a really good sense of time. Right. Right. And be able to keep a really good. And I mean, yes, you have to be an excellent sight reader, which is mm-hmm. going to happen when you're with older kids, when you're with older kids. Right. Yes, of course. You have to play well. I mean, it's funny because um, I think being an accompanist is is um, considered one of the most the more difficult jobs. In music. Oh, I would agree. Absolutely. An accompanist. Right. It takes and I think you do get better with years, I think. I mean, I think I remember being very nervous accompanying when I was in high school. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but um, yeah, I watch the breathing and I always breathe with them. Oh, interesting. So that you right. I always breathe with them. And so I feel I do the same thing with my choir. So yeah. you get that sense of the motion of your shoulders mm-hmm. as you breathe with them while they, while they breathe. And so, you know, that even a little lift of your hands off the piano mm. So you're always giving the child space and, and the child will need more space to take their breath. Mm. Cause you don't, do you try and encourage them to sing a phrase? Right. right. So give them that space when you play. Right. Oh, that's important. Um, I think that's important. And, and also you can change the chords in the accompaniment if it, if it's going to support them better. If there's a, if there's a few little dissonances sometimes, you know, oh. it, and it's going to throw them off, just take them out. Oh, I'm really glad you mentioned that because uh, there's a couple of books, uh, repertoire books that I've used in the past, which I stopped using because I found that the accompaniment was really too mature uh, and mm-hmm. had some strange counterpoint or just really didn't help the singer in any way whatsoever. And it was such a frustrating experience that I it, it just... It was too much for my my young singers. And this wasn't necessarily my little, little ones. This is some of my older, more experienced singers. I just didn't enjoy the the accompaniment at all. And it just put, you know, how far would you go in in changing an accompaniment to make it work for the for the well, student? Well, mainly the chords. I mean, like I play by ear, so it's probably easier for me to do that. Um, but um i would i would just make it sound as basic as possible i i mean as um not basic's not a good word make it sound as, as similar as possible to the original mm, mm-hmm. uh and then um change the chords where you have to put in little melody notes every once in a while where you have to sometimes you just have to touch the melody even if it's in the, the other hand if it's in the left hand and not right in their right. range um but many of the Many of the uh, exam songs mm-hmm. um, I don't use at all. I don't use at all because I don't like the um, arrangements. Oh, I- interesting. Okay, that's a good point. I, this is something that I learned recently was for examinations, the folk songs, you don't have to use, like you can use any arrangement of that folk song. Is that correct? That's right. That's right. And I so so what I've done for some of my students is I don't like the arrangements of some of the folk songs. Mm-hmm. And so I've done my own. I mean, that's a hard thing for me to say because I was one of the compilers and editors. For, <laughs> for the, for the <laughs> but I didn't mean I always agree. Um, so I yeah, there are a few where I've changed, um, especially there's uh, La Paloma Blanca and level three. I, I know that I've one. Yes. My own. I've written my own arrangement and now all the kids want to sing that on their exam. 
Oh, see, that that is helpful because I think sometimes teachers might think that they have to make that work. And it's so frustrating when it's mm-hmm. just a distraction to the to the vocalist. No, it is. And if it, and if they're going to be really frustrated by the accompaniment, then it's not worth it. Yeah, I agree. You know, you need you you really do need and for young singers, you do need accompaniments that support them. Mm-hmm. And and I mean, in base, I mean, we want them to su- succeed, and we want them to keep on singing. We don't want them to be frustrated. Um, yeah. You know, and some kids are extremely musical, uh, and they can hold their own no matter what you play. You right. could play a bunch of random chords in a different key and they still hold their own. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Right. But but for the majority of kids, that's not going to happen. Oh, yeah. I, th- I Thank you for bringing that up. I wanted to um, I wanted to just talk about because you are often hired by other voice teachers to accompany mm-hmm. their students. So it, is it a different process? Like obviously if they're your student, they get to work with you in the lesson every week and you really mm-hmm. get to know those, those students well and know what they need. Now we've got a student you don't work with. You're they've usually arranged for a rehearsal. And then do you have like, how do you manage that? Do you have like do you insist on like so many rehearsals or is there usually one rehearsal? How does that work for you? Um, it's well, usually only one rehearsal is needed. Okay. Uh, depending sometimes for provincials. So I play for some of the advanced classes, the vocal classes and provincials. Some of them have, I mean, they're already pretty good anyway, since they went, to, since they're chosen for provincials, but sometimes they'll book, you know, more than one rehearsal. And I've had kids drive here from Windsor. Oh, Chatham wow. And, I know to Oakville, it's a long way, but they'll drive there to, to rehearse, right? Because, uh, and many teachers want to have a singing teacher as their singer's accompanist. Mm. Mm-hmm. Because um, I think maybe they'll know about the fact that they need to play sensitively and not too loud, because that is a problem with the accompaniments being too loud. Right? I've adjudicated many festivals where if I could have only heard the child, because all I heard was was a loud bangy piano, and that, that's happened so often. Um, but I think with um, teachers, uh, one thing they need to do first of all is give me music that's not doesn't have the bottom cut off. You know, they give you music for a binder. Oh yes. And then half the left hand is missing. Oh yes. Right. <laughs> right. Or they give you a book, or or they just assume that I'll provide the other book. That oh, so they don't that. even give you the music at all? Yeah. They're, oh, well, I know you've got this music, so whatever, you know. Um, or, the, or they will give you a book that's brand new and it doesn't open on the piano. So you're oh, busy trying to break the spine just before you play. That can be frustrating, right? Um, or kids that will come and they'll, they're, you know, you know, you know that they need to be taught, which which we talked about before, which um, they they have no idea about the language. That oh. they're singing, even though they're going to provincials, and suddenly it's like, oh, my teacher said you'd help me with that. <laughs> and is is that your job as a accompanist to be helping them with that? I love that. Okay, right? let's let's circle back to that because that there's like an overlap of of services here. So, I'm so. Do you get the student that comes to you? I would imagine this happens, and maybe they worked with a teacher who does not play or does not play well and they've never 
heard the piano part and now all of a sudden they're lost. Like, I know that that happens. What, what do you do with that student? It did. It happened to actually happened two weeks ago when I had accompanied an RCM exam. Oh gosh. They had never heard the accompaniment. Oh, and it was just grade three, but uh, level still. three, but, uh, but still they hadn't heard it. And the recordings are, the recordings are there. Yeah. To listen to the backing tracks. So they could, yeah. they could listen to those. Um, but it's, um, yeah, it, it's just, um, you have to maybe go through it again, do, do some of the basic steps you would do with your own students. Right. And, and play and keep a really strong beat, mm. really accent the first beat. And again, you have to really, so it's really like active listening on the part of the accompanist because you have to really listen to where they're moving. And if you can see their strain, you've got to try and mm. sort of guide them back on track. Right. 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 Uh, does that make sense? No, it totally makes sense. And yeah. how stressful. How how stressful for you knowing that this little person or older person maybe has now they just haven't they're not comfortable, right? They're not going to be performing right. the best and now you've got a nervous person and you're trying to help them as much as you can. That's that's a stressful situation to be in. It it, it is stressful as it is much easier when it's your own because you know where where they might falter and you mark it up but I do when they do come to rehearse is I I mark up this the score and I mark up where they're the the key changes there ahead of time if I can I do all mm -hmm. that but but I go with them and I say okay now I want I want you to tell me where you breathe in these phrases and I just tick where they breathe so at least I know that much and right and go over go over tempo and and um things like that and just try and be as supportive as possible. Um, do you ever provide teachers, this might be a tricky question for you to answer. Do you ever provide teachers with feedback of how they might help their students more for the next time? Like if you see a student that really struggled with certain aspects, not necessarily vocal technique, but more just working with the piano player, do you give teachers feedback at all? Or maybe as an adjudicator, um, when you adjudicated festivals, do you give? I have when I adjudicate. I think when I adjudicated um, in another province, um, this was, I remember speaking to, finding that accountant on the break and talking to him personally and just mm. saying, you know, um, these singers are singing really loud. Or, or just, just maybe you could just say it's the fault of the piano. It's a really loud piano and the room is really live. So, so I think maybe if you could just soft pedal it when you're playing for the little ones. Right. You know, and sometimes they appreciate, sometimes they don't know they're playing so loud. Because right. for a lot of piano players, it's all about them, right? Yeah. It's all about their playing. And they're so focused on playing every note and playing what's right. Mm. Right. I'll tell you a little story quickly. When I was playing at Provincials a few years ago, and I was playing during a, a final concert or something, or a, I forget now, a playoff maybe. And um, the, the senior piano adjudicator came up to me afterwards, and he said, "Oh, I was watching you play." And the first, my first response was, "Oh, you mean you were watching like all the notes I don't play?" <laughs> right? <laughs> and you know, thinking, "Oh, you know, um, I mean, I'm not to his level, obviously." And he says. And he said, no, he said, I, I was watching. He said, most accountants just play what's on the page. But I noticed that you play what the singer needs. Oh, that's awesome that he noticed that. 
And, and it's interesting because after he made that comment, then I was never afraid to be doing that anymore. Oh, that is helpful. That's really helpful. The alter, you know, altering. Yeah. Obviously, you don't want to alter too much because that's not, it, it has to be really subtle. You have yeah. to alter it in such a way that maybe, maybe the adjudicator won't notice. Mm. Sure, <laughs> sure. Right? That's the first thing the student will say. Well, if you help me with that note, won't the adjudicator know that you helped me? And I said, well, no, not if I weave it into the accompaniment a certain way or play it another. They, you know, they're, they're looking at the overall. What's your overall performance? They're not looking to see, to be honest, played every note. They're looking to see how your performance is. For, for teachers who might be listening to the podcast that put their students into competitions like Nat's uh, student auditions, what are some other things that you have seen that you might have, you know, that might be helpful to bring to teachers' attention when they are preparing students for these events? Like, what else, what other things would you like to see people do differently? <laughs> I guess it's the nice way. <laughs> <laughs> what they should do differently? Well, let me see. Um, if teachers had basic piano skills, they may know, you know, they may be able to have played part of it for them. But I know I realize that that's not... That's not the case for for many. Um, that that's that's hard to say. Uh, just getting them right. Or well, actually, for instance, for the RCM exams, it's very simple because they could just have them listen to the backing tracks. Those backing tracks were created. So I sang on the backing tracks for both the 2012 and the 2019. And what they do is they have fabulous accompanists. I mean, um, and they we go into a studio. And I've got my binder. I sing through the songs, but the accompanist is following me mm. so that the backing track has the breaths in there. Right. 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 So, so, so that the phrase, he's basically following the phrasing and the breathing. So that works really well. So for those tracks, I know some teachers maybe don't agree with the, the tempo, but that's, you know, you can always slow it down if you need to or speed it up. Um, you that with those tracks they were made with that in mind with the singer in mind okay because quite often you get a backing track from a music theater book or whatever no they're just something played on so the kids are finding when they're following the track they just can't breathe there's just no room to breathe right yeah so i would have the teachers maybe mark their music and have the children mark where they're going to breathe mm -hmm. right mark where they're going to slow down and so that they can bring that to me when we're when we're doing it so that I know exactly how they're used to doing it. Do you ever notice like I, I mean I'm I'm a functional piano player. I can play intros and I can play, you know, like lower, easier pieces for my students. More advanced stuff, not not a chance. Um so my students use tracks a lot. And obviously through the pandemic, everybody had to use tracks because we weren't able to be in the same room. It's, I always find it difficult if they've been singing along with tracks and then we're getting ready for say the recital when we were doing live recitals and now they've got to play with uh, an accompanist. And I always hired 
amazing accompanists, whether it was you or, you know, Sean and, and Anne and Mim. And there is that struggle in the beginning because they're used to following the track. And now they've got musicians following them. And they often don't want to carry the beat through. They're kind of, so the tempo kind of slows down to a grinding halt. Mm -hmm. How do you deal with that with your students? Like if you have somebody that's obviously been singing to a track, now they've got you and you know that they're just not pushing you along. What do you do? Right. Well, first of all, the first thing I would tell them is you are now the leader. Remember when you had trouble keeping up with that track? You are the leader and you're the boss, right? They like words like leader and boss and and you're in charge and you're the one that's going to lead me. Right. And, and so, but first I, I would listen to them sing it with the track first. Mm, Okay. And, and then, and then maybe have them try and sing part of it a cappella. And then I'd start to introduce the piano accompaniment, maybe with some simple chords. Right. But all the while, you have to keep a really, really strong beat because on the track, there may have been drums or bass guitar or whatever on there. So they're used to hearing that bass line with a really strong driving rhythm, right? So your piano accompaniment suddenly has to become that rhythm section that they were used to. Right. 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 So if you keep a really strong beat, you can keep them going. So it's more important to keep that rhythm section going uh, than it is to play the, the right hand part, whatever it is. You know, that that's sort of how I did. And also I'd get them to plan their breaths because that was one thing on tracks that they never had time to do. Ah, nice. That's right. That's right. Right. So this time they do plan it and I wait for you. So you're the boss. You're the leader. It's um. Do you find that giving them that space, I always find, especially with my little littles, and I love them so much because they're so sweet, but that breath, they they end up taking more time and more time. And the tempo that you started at is not the tempo that you end at. Right. What do you do? How do you keep them moving along? It's I find that's probably one of the most challenging things is the young, inexperienced singer right. who is just like... They're slowing you down to the death, the death, you know, march there at the end of the song. Well, I think sometimes you have to sing along with them. Right. In the in the lesson at some points when that's and also start your conducting and you know, and the, you know, I mean you have to play and it's just like a choir, <laughs> you have to play and you have to do this and you have to do that, and you have to breathe with them. Um I think uh I think it's just keeping a strong sense of rhythm. Mm-hmm. And maybe if you have them moving to the rhythm, mm-hmm. um, that will help them keep a sense of it as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I do, I really do like, um, even when I'm writing an accompaniment for, uh, if I'm arranging something, I really like to keep the accompaniment interesting and, and dance like, you know, you know, so that it's not just boom, chuck, boom, chuck, boom, chuck. Right. So that they can almost, if they just listen to the accompaniment, maybe they could just dance along to it. Yeah. Um, it's just keeping a steady beat can be really tricky for kids. Right? For sure. For sure. Now I wanted to ask you, uh, moving into your experience with your choirs, because how many choirs mm-hmm. have you got? Three? Well, well, we have three at our church, but I only conduct two. Oh, I only okay. direct two of them because so one of my, um, one of my choir members who grew up in my youth choir, she is, um, she is directing the junior choir. Oh, nice. 
And so the junior choir is, um, are the little ones, nine and under, 10 and under. Yeah. And they're, they're sweet. They're so adorable. Um, and they, uh, but I get to accompany them mm. and then on, on Sunday mornings and she's in front of them. And so then I have the youth choir. So the youth choir is now numbers are down right now after COVID. Sure. Sure. Youth, youth choir used to ha- used to run 25, 28 kids back wow. in the day. Yeah. Um, which is a lot for church youth choir. It is. And then, it, and then it would get down to about 14, maybe, uh, about but right now it's difficult. I mean, I had four when we did the gratitude song on Sunday. There was just four of them there. But but four strong and mighty young singers, all ten and eleven, and they all gave their all, and it still sounded great. They gave their all. Um, and then we have the adult choir, chancel choir, who in its day has had you know forty members, but now, well, there's thirty five. That's not bad. If we if we had carol service and concerts and things like that, we might have all thirty five of them there. But generally on a Sunday, there's uh, 25, 28 maybe that are there. Now, how does your role as the either the or I know you play the organ, I know you play guitar, I know you play piano for them. Um, how do you like conduct them while you're like? How do you lead them with with while playing? How do you do that? Well, that's very tricky. Yeah. I mean, with a guitar, it's easy because you just, you're in front of them and everything. But with a guitar, you can't help them. So ah. it, I use the guitar is just mainly for songs at, with the congregation. Mm. Okay. Or with, the, or with the youth choir, but mainly for songs with the congregation, especially more contemporary songs. But the piano, so we now have a, um, a grand piano. So it's faced, I'm facing the choir. So there. Oh, I see. They're in front of me. So, it, yes, it is very tricky because, first of all, when we when we attempt, I'll tell you how I put with a brand new song, we would maybe take, I would play just their parts. Okay. And they follow along and they read it. And then I would maybe play a little bit and then maybe still have to play the bass and tenors. I don't like to pick on the basses, but <laughs> sometimes, <laughs> sometimes you have to play their parts a little more often than the others. Mm-hmm. <laughs> The altos are the strongest section Always. because they seem to be, right? They're the That's ones right. that are readers and uh-huh. everything. Yay, altos. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, working with them is is tricky because it's a real art to accompany and lead at the same time. Yeah. And if you're doing it from the organ, I mean, you are, you have, you're looking at SATB music. Oh gosh. And you're look you're plus you're watching your your play and your accompaniment. You may be having to add some pedals. Oh my gosh. With your feet, right? Mm-hmm. So then you wonder why you have a headache at the end of rehearsal. <laughs> but um, you know, then everything is going. Plus you have to cue them in. Right. Plus you have to right mouth the words. Oh my gosh. For those that, you know, like to watch all the time but often forget their words. And then, um, yeah, and cueing them in, playing parts that are maybe not coming out, or you realize that maybe that bass is lost again. Let's take a look at those. <laughs> because one bass is lost, and then they all follow each other. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. anyway, that's, that's sort of, um, that. that's a little bit about how that, um, but again, accenting the first beat. You have to have the rhythm. The rhythm has to be really good to keep the choir together. Sometimes you just make sure you have to play the essential rhythms that they need to help them keep on track. 
Do you offer, like, how do you encourage practicing for your church choirs? Like, do you, do they have access to like recordings or do you do anything like that? Yeah, actually. So this is something that COVID brought on because we had COVID, we had rehearsals online on Zoom. Right. And uh, we would learn, still learn new pieces. It's totally different. But now there is so much you can find on YouTube that I use that. So I will, if we're working on an anthem, I will, I make a list for the choir. I send out a big email and it has everything maybe for the next two months with the song and the uh, YouTube example of it. And many of the, many of the publishers and things now have the music you can score. You can read the score and hear a choir singing it at the same time. So I send that. If we've sung this before, pre-COVID, many of ours are recorded, then I, I, I add that as well. And sometimes I can uh, find rehearsal parts. Some of the songs in um, some of the songs now you can find alto, um, tenor, bass, soprano. You can find the parts separately, and you can put those on. So quite often I send them a really long email with all with audio uh, that, that they can just listen to to help them learn their parts, and that really works well because not everybody lives right around the corner from the church. Some of my singers live in Hamilton. Some of them live in Beamsville. Um, it's a long way for them to come, <clears throat> you know, Mississauga. So it's, um, and that way they can still learn their piece and feel that they still have something to work on before, before they come. Mm, that's um, helpful. Yeah. <clears throat> I think that that's something I didn't have access to before. Right. You know, or you'd make them on your phone, make it. But I've I've done that before. Maybe make if the bassists are having trouble, I'll just play their part. Yeah. Uh, I'll just do a recording on my phone, just play it, and I just uh, send it to them so they can practice it at home. Then they feel a little bit more secure when they're there. Yeah, that's so important. Oh, goodness. And it's important. And the one thing I like about having the piano in front is they can watch my head as well. So your head Mm -hmm. now becomes a conductor as well. (laughs) And your mouth is moving. And, you know, it's no time to look like, you know, really sophisticated because that would never happen. <laughs> and, um, but, but when they're there, they're all there in front of you, the way we have the piano. And it's like, I can give them a big hug. Oh, that's you know nice. I mean? So at the end of the song, you know, when your hands are out for the last note, the last cutoff, it just feels, and they, they feel warm about each other. There's a really lot, really good camaraderie, I think, with the choir too. It's a sub- choirs are a support system for each other. So many of the people that go to the choir, I mean, some of them go there because that's their church. Many of the people in my choir only they didn't come because that was their church. They came because they wanted to sing in a choir. Yeah, absolutely. It's medicine for their soul, and that sometimes that rehearsal is their one highlight of their week. So you have to make sure that you know they're doing some good singing and don't be afraid just to sing sing through things mm-hmm. you know don't feel you have to uh, uh criticize every single thing and stop and work on that one little bar over and over yeah let them just let them just sing it's not about per- perfection it's not about perfection right it's about just singing with joy mm-hmm. oh, i love because the con- congregation to pick up on it oh absolutely absolutely well i i think I've been in enough churches and seen enough choirs to know 
which choir is enjoying themselves and which choir is not. Like you can just tell that they're where the love right. is and where the love is not. No, that's true. That's true. That's that's so true, honestly. I mean, sometimes you might find yourself accompanying something where there's a director. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I directed I directed a choral workshop um, with uh, Don Be- a few years ago with Don Beesick, and he decided to surprise me and put one of my songs in the, the lineup for the choral workshop. Oh, how lovely! And then he said, and he said in front of everybody, "I know you wrote this, Linda, but you play it too fast." Oh my gosh! How dare he? <laughs> oh, what did you do? It was the old Irish blessing. Well, you know what? He, Don is a dear old soul, and he's an amazing composer. And uh, <laughs> it's, uh, well, what do you do? You just play the tempo you wanted. And then, you know, for my own choir, I just go back to doing the tempo I intended. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. That's that's uh, that's that's a, a challenge. <laughs> <laughs> No, you know, he's a, he's a dear man and he's just, uh, he supports the choir in many ways. Mm, he's mm. the first one to like anything we put on YouTube. Oh, that's <laughs> nice. That's nice to get that support from, from people. It is in the nice community. to get that support. Yeah. Friends, I don't do any of the tech stuff. You know, I want to just say to people listening to the podcast, if you're not, if you're on socials and you're just scrolling past people's stuff, just take a second to like or comment. It makes all the difference, you know, just, mm-hmm. just, you know, giving that little thumbs up is, it's a big deal. So don't be stingy with your, with your likes and your hearts. It's, it's no, a, exactly. It's a big deal for the choir because they'll come back saying, wow, did you see how many people watched our, watched our song? Did you see how many comments we have? You know, they get really excited about that because for many of them, that's a huge deal. Oh, it is a huge deal. You know, uh, when um, when we did our live recitals at the church, and the the kids got to sing with the band, and it was such a fun after, uh, like, fun evening or afternoon. But it was always interesting to see, you know, the parents would videotape their performances, their children's performances, and then post it on Facebook. And it was always so beautiful to see other parents who were at the recital who would take their time to say this performance was incredible you you know like and really shout out other people's children and it and mm-hmm. it was i loved seeing that because it it was uh, it was proof that my effort and energy into building community around my teaching studio was working because you know there's one thing when when you go to watch your child do anything you're watching your child do the things but when other families can like share the compliments and and celebrate other people's children that's beautiful but uh yeah so don't be stingy with your likes and comments friends um you have uh the vocal arts festival it's a non-competitive voice festival can you tell everybody about that uh, yes. Um, so we started about six years ago and we decided we wanted to have a festival where the children would have an opportunity to prepare and, and sing for other, for, for their other fellow singers and, and, um, to get some feedback from an adjudicator and maybe get some workshops and things like that. But there's no first or second or third. Love it. We don't have, they don't have, that's very difficult for a young child when it's their first time performing somewhere. 
And, you know, there's four people in the class and they didn't even get first, second or third. So they know they're knowing they're last. That's not a good thing. And I know life is a competition. I've been told that when I started this festival that, well, Linda, life is a competition. Well, music, in my opinion, music does not have to be a competition. No, I agree. And I I just don't. So what we did um, is we decided to have the final concert because we all know in past in other festivals, sometimes the final concert has the best of the best. And sometimes it's the same all the time. The same singers they get to perform and others never get asked. So we have we we create a choir. Oh, I love that. And all the singers, now we didn't have it this year with COVID, but hopefully we're hoping to get back to it at some point. We're at the end of the we're at the end of our final concert. We have the um all the singers have prepared two songs. And um I accompany it, or Yvonne accompanies and Natalie conducts. And they all rehearse their songs. And on the Sunday afternoon, they come and they practice and they sing together. Love it. And and they so they're all part of the final concert as a choir, and all the parents get to meet each other. They we have a little pizza dinner, uh, so it all becomes it, it. It's all about celebrating everybody's performance. I love that. I love that. I uh, I know you and I have talked about this in in previous years, and I pulled my students out of competitions for well a number of reasons, but I just it wasn't the 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 whole win or lose first and second became such a heavy burden and it really mm-hmm. took the joy away from a lot of my students and on the other side of that i did have students that enjoyed that type of pressure mm-hmm. and wanted that type of feedback but that wasn't the majority of my my studio and i i kind of moved towards having more community friendly opportunities and i love that you've offered that type of festival. Um, do you ever get people who are like, where's the prizes? <laughs> there are some. Yes, there are some. There are some. And it's usually not the children. Oh, it's no, it's parents. never the kids. No. The kids said, oh, I have so much fun. And I have, and they have their festival friends. Oh, that's you know, nice. That they, yeah. Right. And, and because they're all supportive of, of each other and that's great. And you see them all say, oh, that was great. I liked your song. What was it called again? Mm-hmm. Um, I like that. No, it's usually parents that will ask, well, where's the prize? <laughs> right. So, yeah. And, and you have to you have to tell them, well, you know, there are other festivals that they can do. Yeah. Which they do. And some of my students do like to do the other festivals where they are competitive but they still do the non-competitive but they'll still say they really enjoy the non-competitive and one of my older students um who uh was doing i think advanced theater or something she said it was the first time i actually sat and listened to the adjudicator instead of wondering instead of listening to everybody else's wondering oh i wonder if i won i wonder if i won oh yeah she said this time i actually focused on what she had to say and what she had to teach me Mm. which is the whole point of these these mm-hmm. opportunities right is to learn and exactly. grow and exactly oh, so good um but before we before we wrap up here I just wanted to ask you um if you had if you had a mindful list of things for 
pianists to think of when they were working with singers, not just young singers, but just singers in general? Mm-hmm. What, what would that list of, of considerations be? Uh, playing lightly, so that, you, that listening for the singer, knowing that it's not all about you. Um, going over, maybe going over your score ahead of time, so that you've marked all the different areas that key changes and things like that, so that you're prepared, first of all. Um, making sure that you um, agree, that you and the singer agree on the tempo, that you don't create your own <laughs> tempo and say, well, this is this is how I think it is, so this is how I'm going to play it, right? Right. Um, I mean, because our job is to support them, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. and and to help them succeed, not to uh, not to make it all about you, because it's not all about the accompanist. You have to step back. Um, I think as an accompanist, it's your job maybe to, to know to keep the rhythm going. More more important than playing all the notes, just keep the singer on track, keep the rhythm going. And if this if it's as I, I think I touched on before, if the chords and things are too difficult, if there's dissonance. Even if it's not your own student and you can feel that you need to leave those off, then then do that because you still want to help the singer all you know succeed. Be prepared to jump ahead. Oh. Be prepared for that because that's going to happen. And follow the words. Mm. Because be prepared, even if it's not your own student, if the word, if the child gets lost, help them. Yeah. Help them. Don't let them succeed. Don't don't let them don't let them not succeed. I should say, <laughs> if 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 the, yeah, if they jump in with the words. So if you have to sing a line of those words, then just do that and get them back on track and let them keep on going. You don't want them to leave in tears. Oh yes, and and I've seen that. I think we've all seen that in festivals or concerts or recitals. That you know, and shout out to my husband who might have had to start singing the verse of a Taylor Swift song for one of my littles who had lost her place. And he did, he falsettoed it beautifully and she (laughs) got her part and continued on. And I was like, Oh my gosh, you are, that was beautiful what you did. And he was mortified by the way. I just wanted to, for those of you laughing, he was absolutely mortified, but he knew that the kiddo needed that help and he put himself out there. So that's a great tip. Do you know the one thing in the festival that I, uh, is really interesting is when you hear one of the children get lost with their music or to forget the words and the other kids that are in the same category as them, they start helping them. Oh, I love that. That's what they we're supposed start to do. Yeah. That's what we're supposed to do. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, it, it's, it's, uh, yeah, I think that that's what we're, that's what we're supposed to do. So we're supposed to help them in, but always be prepared because if the child gets lost, you are the person there that's there to help them. I just wanted to celebrate because I've seen you do that. I've seen you jump uh, like a half a bar, a verse, a line to the, and, and without missing a beat. And I want to shout out my, my dear friend, Anne Barnshaw. I mean, that, that ability to be playing and actively listening to what the singer is doing and to find in the score where they have gone and to move there seamlessly, you have my absolute respect and love for that ability. That is a skill beyond (laughs) skills. Uh, You are still composing and your website has quite a few pieces on there. Can you tell everybody what you're working on and what's up on your website right now? 
Well, right now I have I have quite a f- quite a few songs that are on the RCM syllabus. Mm-hmm. So those songs are all there. My son has done the website for me, but my son has two jobs. So getting getting him to update it <laughs> is not it's not different. It's not very easy. Um, so right now I have three. I think maybe three of my choir. Um, my SATB choir pieces are up there and um, and just the RCM, which the RCM songs that I have up there are folk songs and 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 uh, different arrangements and 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 original songs as well. I do have lots of songs I've been working on. I've been doing a lot of arranging of uh, Latin American folk songs uh, because the, I find children love Spanish is much easier than French for the kid, little ones to learn. I agree. I agree. And so I've got a lot of those that I've done myself uh, for the kids. And I'm doing a lot of songs now for the church because I have a lyricist within the congregation who's phenomenal. Oh, wonderful. So I've been sending many of her things to music. And and thankfully, Mim is always available to <laughs> to engrave these for me. It's, it's not a skill that I, I I cannot do anything like Mim. She's awesome. Yes. So for those of you, uh, Mim Adams is uh, part of the Full Voice team. And uh, not only is she a voice teacher and an arranger and a composer and all of those things, but she has... Her mad skill and the one thing that she loves to do a lot is engraving and and doing the notation of music and and uh, we uh, yeah we'd be lost here at full voice without her. <laughs> she is she has been coaching Heidi. Um, my assistant has taken on junior engraver role, which she's loving it too. The two of them love to talk about all things putting music onto paper. <laughs> so that's great. I feel the same way. It's like, yeah, that's awesome for you guys. Have fun with that. Um, Linda, I want to thank you. I want to thank you for uh, sharing your music with us. I have to thank you for all the years that you helped me with my students and accompanied my students. We have more of your music coming out at on Full Voice. Um, like I men- mentioned at the beginning, uh, one of those Spanish folk songs, uh, Los Poitos, mm-hmm. will be mm-hmm. in our introductory B uh, Songs and Studies, which is coming out, I do believe, this month. And your Hey Diddle Diddle Blues is people are loving it. Um, I've seen so many videos online. Kids are singing it, having fun. Uh, So please keep writing amazing songs uh, that we can share. And uh, I look forward to, uh, I look forward to talking to you again. Well, thank you, Nikki, for having me. And I thank you for giving me the opportunity to, uh, or maybe it's a little push, the little push that you gave me to write even more. Oh, I love it. I love it. Yes, oh. I, and I, I love I love working uh, I love working with children, and I love writing for children. Oh well, you can tell you can tell yeah. in your music that that you I mean you can tell with with your music with Ben's music with one of the things with our children's composers is that you can tell that they actually understand the child singer and the child experience <laughs> like that is that is obvious and that's I think one one of the reasons why the music just is so perfect for kids I will have you back on the podcast we'll talk about oh we should talk about folk songs yes okay deal all right we'll have we'll have Linda Fletcher back we're going to talk about folk songs (laughs) have an amazing afternoon Linda awesome 
A very special thank you to Linda for that wonderful conversation. So many teacher takeaways. Uh, we have put all of Linda's information on the show notes, lindafletcher.com, if you want to check out more of Linda's music. And uh, visit our website, fullvoicemusic.com. I highly recommend her new song that we released just a little while ago, Hey Diddle Diddle. It's so fun. It's a little blues song. It's so cute. Anyhow, my friend and colleague, if you haven't already, please sign up for the Full Voice VIP newsletter. That's where you get all our free downloads. Notes. And as always, I am wishing you inspired teaching and happy singing. Bye.